episode two and a half, yep, of Fiction Forward. Where our fiction is intersectional. And our ideas are forward. (laughs) Two and a half. (laughs) So yes, it truly is the the two and a half uh, episode. (laughs) Get a little more TH in there, Jackie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this is not going to be a full episode because, um, as we'll talk more about later, we have a guest next episode, which is really exciting, but they needed some time to read the book that we're going to talk about, which, if you didn't catch it last time, is The Black Witch. And so they, they needed some time to read it, and we're all going to like organize our thoughts, and, and we're going to have another episode next week. Yeah, just uh, kind of going off what we were talking about last time as well, last episode, this Black Witch novel has received a lot of controversy over, I guess, the past couple of weeks, mostly due to a review that painted it as very racist, and we will go into this, but... In the meantime, if you have read The Black Witch or want to read The Black Witch or just have any thoughts at all, you can tweet us at fiction underscore forward, or you can email us at fictionforward at fictionistmag.com. Share your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. There's certainly a lot of different perspectives that can be considered on this book, so we want to make sure that we get as many of those included as possible. Yeah, so if any of you guys have any thoughts, feel free to talk to us. Or if you just, you know, have any thoughts in your head at all, like that you like the color purple or that you like dogs, feel free to also please send us pictures of dogs. Yeah, it would make my day just so much better. Just with everything going on in the world, dogs remind me that there's still some wholesome goodness left to be found, so... I have a dog, and I still like looking at pictures of dogs. <laughs> yes. PSA, <laughs> if you are sad, go look at a dog. You will feel better for a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, so, if you missed it, if you missed some of the Black Witch controversy, um, Kelly mentioned that it got started mostly by uh, like a 9,000 word review about how terrible and dangerous it is. Uh, that's true, and then a whole lot of people basically jumped on the bandwagon without having read the book, and uh, and one started on Goodreads and did all sorts of stuff without reading the book, which is a little strange. We talked about doing the research last episode. If you want to talk about the journalistic side of looking into the controversy, you can listen to our last episode, which involved Kat Rosenfield, who wrote an article about this sort of controversy. It was a huge thing. Anyway... Basically, the the person who reviewed this book and the people who are following along um, think that the book is really dangerous, think that the characters are extremely racist, have internalized it, and that the fact that they become less racist is irrelevant, basically, because of all the harmful rhetoric um, throughout the book. So so they they wanted originally to pull it off of shelves. That didn't work out. It got published. And now it's a thing, and uh, people still hate it, but it's, you know, it's... It's calmed down a little bit because it, it came out earlier this year. <laughs> um, so, you know, and and if you're thinking to yourself, what the heck is this book about? Don't you worry. We'll get there. 
But I do, I feel like everyone asks me this question. It's called The Black Witch. It's not about a black person. It's actually about a witch who wears black. As weird as that is in today's climate to say. (laughs) The whole big point of the story is that the main narrator, who I should mention her name is Eloren, is supposed to say Eloren or Eloren? That is a good question. She She's called Ren sometimes for short. I've been saying Eloren in my head, but then also the first time I ever read Harry Potter, I said Hermione instead of <laughs> Hermione because I was like seven. <laughs> uh, I've been saying Eloren in my head, so I guess we're just going to confuse everyone. This is good. <laughs> we could use two different pronunciations. <laughs> we could just call her Ren. She's frequently referred to as Ren throughout the book. Um, Ren, at least, is supposed to have a redemption arc throughout the novel, and so far, kind of preliminary complaints about this redemption arc is it doesn't happen quick enough in the sense that in the pacing of the novel, and I haven't finished reading it yet, so I can't comment on this personally, but in the pace of the novel, it takes a while. Like, this book is 600 pages long, and it takes a while before Ren finally gets to the point of like, oh, well, maybe this isn't what I should be thinking, probably, (laughs) about other people who don't look like me, you know? Yeah. And then the second complaint, and, you know, there are multiple complaints, but the second biggest complaint being that it's kind of an extension of white guilt, in a sense, where at least referring back to the 9,000 word review that we had previously mentioned, the author Shauna of this review says, and I quote, this book was ultimately written for white people. It was written for the type of white person who considers themselves to be not racist and thinks that they deserve recognition and praise for treating POC like they are actually human. It holds no regards for the feeling of marginalized people, which is evident in the way that the book portrays racism, homophobia, and ableism. So basically, in a nutshell, white people feeling good about themselves by, you know, treating POC like humans. Basically kind of the same way where, you know, you're scrolling through Tinder, it's Friday night, you scroll past this one guy in his bio who's like, I'm a feminist. And then you start talking to him and then you realize that it's just the complete opposite of anything that you've ever thought that could be feminist. And <laughs> despite that, this man still thinks that he's owed a trophy for saying that he is feminist when, in fact, he is just treating people like people and humans. Kind of goes... Along with that argument of don't applaud a fish for swimming in water, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Don't applaud a fish for swimming in water. Oh my god. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of that mentality of, you know, this is something you should already be doing. This is something that should just be expected and happening. And, like, obviously that, I agree with this 100%. But, again, I still have not read the book so I can't comment specifically on it yet but that is what episode 3 is for and not episode 2 and a 2 and a fifth (laughs) 2 and a half (laughs) 2 and a fifth (laughs) 
Um, I have read the book. I actually finished it a couple of weeks ago because I'm an overachiever, but I'm not going to comment on it right now because that's that's uh, that's going to be the next episode. So I think that this is a good teaser that we're talking a little bit about why people aren't liking it and you know a little bit about the book now and if you're if you're keeping up to date with our episodes then you're in the loop. Yeah, and it'll be great. And if that review or the kind of basic outline of the book has got you interested, again, feel free check out the book. Tweet us at, at fiction underscore forward or email us at fictionforward at fictionistmag.com and share your thoughts with us. We'd love to hear from you. We're just yelling to the void, either one. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I think we're going to save the rest of the, the dialogue about the Black Witch for our next episode with our guest, whose name is Daphne, by the way. You'll get to meet her next time. Lovely, lovely Daphne. Um, so in the meantime, we're going to hold you guys over with a little bit of a conversation about a book that I didn't think I'd have to be talking about on this podcast. <laughs> but lo and behold, you are talking about it. <laughs> you uh, you can't see, but I'm holding it up. It is called Fraternized by Rachel Van Dyken, and Kelly's going to describe it to you right now. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just want to describe the cover of this. Um, first of all, this book by New York Times bestselling author Rachel Van Dyken, and I quote, from Rachel Van Dyken's website. <clears throat> Emerson just made her dream come true as a professional cheerleader for her favorite pro football team. But even though the plus-size athlete... Plus-size plus size athlete, guys, this is very important to the plot. Is breaking down boundaries. She still has to contend with the massive rulebook. Carbs? Nope. Chocolate? Definitely not. Still, Emerson loves her curves. As do I. And she'll rock the hell out of this job, even if it kills her. Except for one mandate that is easier read than done. No fraternizing with the players. Problem one is Miller Quinton, Emerson's first love, first sex, and the guy who still ignites her daydreams and R-rated fantasies. Oh no. Thrown back together, Miller and Emerson feel the undeniable pool of passion again, even if the conflict that tore them apart seems insurmountable. Then, there's way too sexy Grant Sanchez. He has a serious reputation with the ladies. What kind of reputation, though? <laughs> and when it comes to winning someone he wants, he doesn't let anyone stand in his way. Not even winning, though. The winning is important. He wins that. Not like even a prize. Not even rules of consent can stand in his way. <laughs> Oh my god. <clears throat> now, Emerson is breaking every rule in the manual, but what she doesn't know is she's part of a wicked little game. One that can steal both her dream and her heart. To clarify, the game is that both of the guys want to date her, and instead of talking to her, they make a bet with each other. Oh my god, wait, really? <laughs> um, they literally say, they like shake hands, at least in my memory they do. Don't quote me on the shaking hands part. But they say, like, may the best man win. And they actually like say to each other, point me, like, point Miller, point, uh, point Sanchez. Like, they actually say those things out loud. Oh, that's so objectifying. <laughs> Don't even get me started. All right. Um, well, I'm going to get all, you started, Jackie. Continue talking about this. Damn. All right. 
You know how Kelly mentioned that the the plus size part is really important and you need to remember it because it's important to the plot? I have a spoiler for you. It's not important to the plot because nothing happened. Because <laughs> the, there is no plot. <laughs> it's literally like she shows up for cheer tryouts and everyone, she like is thinking to herself like, oh God, everyone's going to think that I'm too big and I'm not going to make this team. And everything is like, oh God, everything is so stressful. And then she gets called into the coach's office and the coach looks her up and down and it's really dramatic. And then she goes, you're in, you made it. And then she's really excited and she cries tears of happiness. And then that's like it. It's like mentioned a few times in the book that she's timid about eating food. And that's it. That's all. That's the whole plot related to her plus sizeness. Like, which is also kind of annoying in itself, too, because that's still making her as a character apologize in a sense for, like, her appearance, you know? Like, <laughs> I get that she's in cheerleading and that it's supposed to be, like, notorious for being very strict on your appearance and, like, what you can eat and what you can't eat. But this whole idea that you have to be embarrassed about eating when you're a certain size is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. Like, you need to eat to survive, you know? It's not optional. I'm so embarrassed that I'm eating so I can continue to live. Like, I just... I can only remember one scene in which anything is relevant and it's not even because she's plus size it's just because she's like a human being on a cheer team so they have to do these mandatory weigh-ins which is just weird and then she goes to the weigh-in and she's all nervous about it because she had like some mcdonald's or something because one of the couple of boys that are interested in her made her eat mcdonald's like a heathen or something anyway so she goes in and she's all nervous and the coach is like you didn't gain any weight, but um, can you tell me why you were so nervous? Because you look you look like you were expecting to. And, and Emerson is, like, mortified. Like, she has no idea what to say. Like, how dare she think that she might have gained a few pounds? And then one of the other cheerleaders comes by and she's like, oh, she's just, you know, she's really bloated. Like, it's that time of the month and she was just worried that, you know, her water weight or whatever. Like, that's the only time it's even mildly relevant and it was still irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, like, kudos to that one cheerleader for, like, kind of sticking up for her. But at the same time, I feel like this was such an opportunity to have some sort of empowerment behind the curves, you know? And not just the fact that, you know, I'm empowered because two men are lusting after me type of thing, you know? Not, like, placing her worth in what other people are thinking of her, you know? It could have been, like... Wow, like, I'm on this cheer team. I look different from other girls. That's okay. You know, I want to eat food, and that's okay, because that's what I need to do to survive and remain healthy and stuff, you know? Oh, boy. Basically, I have, like, five million problems with this book, and you can read all about them and in my review on Monday. But um, right now... What's going to happen is uh, Kelly is going to do a little bit of a dramatic reading. Oh, yes, um, good. And uh, I sent her some. I sent her two pages of this book, and she's gonna she's gonna read them for you. And they're. Uh, I'm gonna be real. If I open this book to a random page, I can pick out at least one line that's a little bit weird. But I tried to pick one that that's kind of more. <laughs> one of the worst parts. <laughs> 
So, uh, so Kelly's going to read that for us now, and it's going to be great. Okay. <laughs> so this this chapter is the perspective of Emerson, and I'll try to do my best to wait. Oh, her name isn't Emerson, Kelly. It's Curves with a capital C. Oh, we don't. She doesn't get a name. <laughs> Pardon me. One of her love interests refuses to call her by her name. He only calls her Curves with a capital C. And it's just the most dehumanizing, weird-ass thing I've ever heard in my life. He didn't ask her if it was okay. He didn't ask her if it was weird. He never stops. And, like, <laughs> that's the only thing that he's interested about. Like, okay, so before before I launch into this, I want, I want to preface with the fact that I really like the fact that, you know, it's her curves that are being celebrated in a sense because that's not something that women get to celebrate a lot especially just in general media representation like for myself I didn't realize it was okay to have thighs until like sophomore year of high school and I was in health class and they were like there are three body types which is also kind of like there are probably more body types than that I'm not (laughs) I'm not a body scientist but at that time, I was like, oh, like, I can have thighs. That's weird, you know? And it wasn't really until in the past maybe two or three years that Ashley Graham, the plus-size model, just kind of broke out onto the popular scene that I was able to see a body type that was similar to mine being represented and being celebrated in the media. So I think that's cool. But then at the same time, there's a difference between celebration and acceptance and fetishization. Like fetishizing curves and making that the only thing or making that what the male characters see as the defining characteristic of a person. Because there's probably so many other things to her character in this universe of NFL cheerleading. And she, all this one character focuses on is the fact that she has curves, which, again, is cool because it's celebrating this. But at the same time, it's like it kind of crosses a line into, like, fetishizing it, which is just uncomfortable. They definitely do that throughout the whole book. Like, there's obviously the guy that only calls her curves. And then the other guy literally constantly talks about her ass and he uses the word ass in the book like he just constantly talks about her ass it's weird (laughs) and like like no i just don't understand because he's supposed to be in love with her and it's supposed to be like the cute childhood romance like Mm -hmm. if you love her that much why do you only think about her ass are there other parts of her or like nah like i just Mm -hmm. because anyway yeah like physical aspects are important for a relationship and also like if you're not into the physical aspects of relationships as well like that's also fine too but i just feel like a healthy well-rounded relationship can't thrive on physicality only even like if physicality wasn't in the picture you would still be able to have a very well-rounded friendship or relationship with someone you know but like even bringing out generally talking about relationships even without that it's important to not just talk about plus size women as to not fetishize them basically because you don't want like a young plus size girl to be reading this and thinking to herself oh all i'm good for is sex Mm -hmm. whereas thin girls can have personalities Like, no, my personality doesn't matter. If I want a guy to like me, I just have to have sex with him because that's all I'm good for. Like, no, that's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's what the... Don't get me wrong. That is what this book is about. <laughs> that's all what life is about. <laughs> okay. I will continue my rant after I read. <laughs> There's two pages. Okay, here I go. <clears throat> my chest hurt. I'd been able to down half a cookie with a gulp of milk, and that was it. We watched Jason Bourne. I sat between two of the hottest guys on the planet while they argued over cyber terrorism and threw cookies at the TV. <laughs> it was perfect. And it was hell. How was it possible to feel such conflicting emotions? Sanchez had put his arm around me and held me close, but a part of my thigh still touched Miller's, and I knew he knew it, because every once in a while he'd shift and the torture would start all over again. Whether it was feeling his muscled thigh through his jeans or the grace of his fingers as he handed me the blanket. But he stayed true to his word to be my friend. If anything, I was the one having a nervous breakdown, while he was having completely casual conversations with us, while Sanchez held my hand and played with my hair. And I'd be lying if I said having Sanchez's attention didn't feel good. It did. He wasn't what I expected. I mean, he was cocky as hell. But after watching him play, and seeing the way he commanded a room, it made sense. There really wasn't a chance for him to be any other way. And it worked. It was endearing, and, at least with me, I knew while he teased, there was still always a line he wasn't willing to cross. At least not yet. If anything, it felt like he was proving to me, or maybe just himself, that he was capable of more than a one-night stand. I still hadn't asked him about Jackie. <laughs> Jackie? <laughs> wasn't sure I even wanted to know. Besides, it wasn't my business, right? Once the movie ended, Miller gave Sanchez a fist bump, and then gave me a high five because, in his book, I was too blonde to make a fist bump look cool. Really, it was just because his hands were so big and mine were so small it hurt my knuckles. Which I, of course, said defensively, only to have both guys tease me for the next ten minutes while I stood there and took it. The cleanup was minimal, and I was exhausted trying to keep my feelings in check and my focus on the guy that actually cared for me. The guy that didn't just want me because he'd had me first. I frowned. It was a potentially unfair assessment of Miller, but it's all I had. Emerson? <laughs> Sanchez patted down the hall in nothing but low-slung jeans and a smile. His muscled body was so thickly corded with golden muscles that I was afraid I was going to start hyperventilating. He had a few tattoos wrapped around his right arm, and one that stretched across his taut abs. I licked my lips. Careful, Curves. His tone was warning. If you lick it, you have to keep it. <laughs> bah! Oh <my laughs> There's so much to unpack here. I want to bring up that, so that's page 174 and 175. That's in the smack dab in the middle of the book, and it's only, like, a page and three quarters. There are 300 pages of this, guys. There's just so many things I want to know. Like, I just, the one line that's sticking out at me is the one where uh, Miller fist bumps Sanchez, you know, totally, like, typical bro move, and then, oh, yeah. and then gives Emerson a high five because she's too blonde to make a fist bump look cool. And, I mean, I get that, I get that it's, like, teasing and 
probably friendly ribbing and stuff. But then I get like the next slide where she's like, his hands were just so big and mine were so small. It hurt my knuckles. <laughs> like, wow, I'm such a demure person. I am such a fragile flower. And I'm too blonde to fist bump people because that's very masculine and I'm not. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. The best part is that I'm not even totally sure if it's like a a female, male, like, body size kind of thing or if it's a white female author trying to write a mixed race dude because... uh, Oh, is... He he actually mentions a couple of other times, like, she tries to say yo once, and he, like, told her that she's too white to say yo. Oh, no. And, like, like he said it multiple times. He was like, nope, you're too white to say yo. And then she said it again, and he was, like, all upset about it. Like, yeah, I think it's just a white woman trying to write a mixed race man. Oh, no. <laughs> that makes it worse. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, by the way, in case any of you were wondering, the cover of this book oh, yes. <laughs> includes a, um, a woman on the front who I assume is supposed to be the main character, except for that she looks about my size, which is like a size 8 or 10, um, which is ridiculous because she talks in the book about being way larger than that. So I'm very confused. And then um, there's a man on her right side that's darker and so i assume that he's supposed to be miller who's mixed race um except for that he just looks like a white boy with a tan and then there's a guy on her left who's straight up just a white boy but i'm pretty sure that sanchez is like at least mixed race if not like completely latino so like i confusion (laughs) the cover of this book is weird Wait, Jackie, can you read the other little sections that you've read to me, too? I earmarked a few sections. I don't usually like uh, dog-earing pages, but I actually did for this book said a few things that I wanted to remember, and I didn't have any bookmarks nearby, and I didn't even care, because I don't like this book. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, I do not. It's okay. (laughs) Let me read you this part. It's really great. So this this uh, chapter is from Miller's perspective. So it's a uh, it's a dude's perspective. He got transferred to a different NFL team, and he's just getting there. So he's just meeting like Sanchez and everyone. Um, <clears throat> and then one last door that opened up to the top area of the practice facility, and around twenty of my new teammates with binoculars and whiskey. Yeah, I could get on board with this. Gentlemen, Sanchez gripped my shoulders with both hands and slowly pushed me toward an empty seat. Miller has arrived. Now let's show him a good time and why we're one of the only teams in the league whose cheerleaders have their own best-selling calendar and award-winning documentary. (laughs) God bless cheerleaders, someone piped up. Sanchez and the rest of the guys mumbled an amen. No fraternization, my ass. Another guy I recognized held up the binoculars and then nodded to Sanchez. Almost time to make your pick. Remember, one pick. No stealing or trading. Stealing or trading what, I asked. The guys looked at me with knowing smirks before Sanchez moved around me to sit, patting the seat next to him. Most of the guys were rookies and the other half were on the practice squad. We each, even me, 
pick a cheerleader during the preseason, pursue her until she gives in, which most of them never do because none of these guys have game, and make bets on how long it takes her to... He licked his lips and whispered, B-E-A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. That's be aggressive, by the way. (laughs) The idiot actually spelled it out while someone next to him threw his hands in the air like he was doing a cheer. We may not haze new players, but we still force the rookies to take us out to dinner and leave them with the check. We do have one requirement of all newbies, whether you're a rookie or you've been traded. Oh, I wasn't liking the sound of this at all. Bang the cheerleader. Save the world. Sanchez said seriously. (laughs) Or just... I know. Or just pick one to pursue for the season and we'll see who wins this. He pulled a lame-looking trophy out of one of the duffel bags and tossed it in my direction. Player of the year? I read aloud. You're just missing one tiny piece of valuable information. All teams have a no-fraternization policy. It's called fraternize, guys. That's what the book's called. I found it. Oh my god, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm going to stop reading because there's like a whole nother several pages of this scene. But uh, I think the worst part is past. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) I just, I'm going to, hang on. I'm going to repeat that part, okay? We each pick a cheerleader during the preseason, pursue her until she gives in. That was the rhetoric. Jesus. Gives in. Which most of them never do, because none of these guys have game. Um, maybe they're just, like, decent human beings. It's fine. And maybe it's because the cheerleaders have agency over their own lives, and just because someone shows no, an interest what? into them, doesn't mean they have to do anything about it. Nope, that's not it. I don't think that's true. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and then they take bets on how long it takes for her to dot 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 be aggressive oh my god like what the like i can't even and it's really spelled out i mean you can't see it because this is a podcast but it's literally like it's capital letters with like dashes between them like it's literally spelled out oh my god (laughs) like okay the biggest problem i have with this and it may seem very obvious but the way that they just the language that they use in describing the cheerleaders makes it sound like they're not people and makes it sound like they're just the trophy that they're talking about. You know, there's there's no regard for, like, what the cheerleaders want in this situation. Like, that one line where it's like, we pursue them until they give in. Like, what do you, like, give in? Like, that just implies that there's, like, a lot of unwillingness on, like, the cheerleading side that, you know, they don't want, like, men pursuing them like this, like, very aggressively. And perhaps that they're not interested with them, or they don't want to lose their jobs because of the whole fraternizing thing. (laughs) And also, like, okay, I'm just going to read one more little tiny section. Yes, good. Because it's ridiculous. Um, So later in the same chapter, it's like a page and a half later, uh, Miller says no, he doesn't want to pick a cheerleader. Oh, he's so so different. Oh, yeah, so different. Such a different person. Um, And Sanchez says, you're lost, man. He was already looking back at the field. They just hired a new one who's actually nice. And the rest? Most of them are more interested in their Instagram accounts, another guy said. Well, you're welcome to her. I don't date during the season. Or at all, but they didn't need to know that. Holy shit, is that her? I was ready to leave when a prickling sensation washed over me. And then everyone takes turns saying things like, Hot. Big. Her tits are huge. 
Those thighs. She has a nice smile, though. Curves for days. She should diet. She's three times the size of the captain. The captain is an evil bitch who likes celery, Sanchez snapped. Besides, I talked with her earlier. Dibs. The captain? No. Curves. She's different. All right, guys. She's she's different. She doesn't like celery. She's not like other girls. There's so many tropes packed into so many tiny scenes. I don't mm-hmm. I don't get it. Like for me as a woman reading this and especially me as like a plus-size woman reading this, it just feels really dehumanizing. You know, yeah. and kind of reminds me of like my experiences with like questionable <laughs> red gross men who were just interested in me for the way that my body was shaped basically you know kind of going back to that whole like fetishizing aspect of it where the most important part about this again and it's not it's not just in celebration you know like the literally the only defining aspect that the male characters in this book see of emerson are her curves nothing else also, this whole putting down, like, other cheerleaders on the team thing, where they refer to the captain as an evil bitch who likes celery. Like, oh, all of the other cheerleaders aren't nice. Like, you know, implying that they're, like, very superficial. And, like, if you're superficial and you only care about your Instagram account, you can't be a nice person. And also, like, I'm sorry, maybe you just think she's a bitch because she wouldn't have sex with you or something? Oh my god, yeah! Like, like, can we just, can you just maybe, like, not be a shallow asshole, or... Wait, so you've, you've read more of this book than I have. Did the character who say that, like, try to pursue the captain... And she turned him, like, is that explored in the book at all, or is that just kind of no, implied? No, it's completely ignored. Uh, first of all, the only other cheerleader you meet is some girl named Kinsey whose brother is on the NFL team, and that's it. You don't get to meet any of the other cheerleaders, because they don't matter, and they're not humans. And there are so many, I have so many problems with this, I'm sorry. That's, but, that's so problematic. Like, it reminds me of this one post that went viral a couple weeks ago about this man who was like i love my curvy wife and (laughs) i oh i saw that yeah yeah um so just to read you a little excerpt of what this guy wrote about his wife it was on an instagram post that just ended up going viral Uh, So he says, like, as a teenager, I was often teased by my friends for my attraction to girls on the thicker side, ones who were shorter and curvier, girls that the average, basic, bro might refer to as chubby or even fat. Then as I became a man and started to educate myself on issues such as feminism and how the media marginalizes women by portraying a very narrow and very specific standard of beauty, thin, tall, and lean, I realized how many men have bought into that lie. For me, there is nothing sexier than this woman right here. Thick thighs, big booty, cute little side roll, etc. Guys, rethink what society has told you that you should desire. A real woman... (sighs) A real woman is not a porn star or a bikini mannequin or a movie character. She's real. First of all, mannequins aren't real anything except for (laughs) mannequins. 
Second of all, I'm pretty sure porn stars are women who exist, meaning they yep. are real. Also, movie characters aren't real necessarily, but there are real women who play them. I just don't... It's it's the same thing that I feel like this novel is doing right now, where it's just kind of triangulating, like, thin women against curvy women. You know, like, there's a way to celebrate curves and different body shapes without having to shame other body shapes in the process. Like, for example, for him referring to the standard of, like, thin, tall, lean beauty as a lie kind of invalidates the women who, you know, do fit into that, you know, those categories. That it's like, well, people told you you were beautiful, but that's a lie. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, I get what he's trying to say. And it's very much in the sense of like, what you know, we kind of try to say on this podcast too, where it's like, there are certain ways that we've seen various groups portrayed in the media and like not all of those are accurate because they rely a lot on stereotypes or just a very incomplete picture about what just the diverse nature of you know these groups whether it's like women people of color differently abled people there's just a very narrow perception of what each of those groups look like in the media but that doesn't mean that that's necessarily like a lie you know Ah, I just, there was this one, there was this one tweet that I retweeted about this where someone was like, a guy loving his curvy wife? What's next? A man loving his sick wife? Loving a woman who ages? (laughs) Would you love your half koala wife? (laughs) (laughs) But actually, though. (laughs) Which is like, Um, I don't know, just kind of going back to what we were saying earlier in regards to the Black Witch where... Part of this is just kind of, you know, applause for something you should already kind of be doing, you know? But then, I don't know. My biggest problem with this is that he just puts down other women in order to elevate the woman that he loves. Like, that's not necessary. Like, you don't need to compare her to anyone else. Just say what you have to say, you know? Don't. Don't bring any other women into it. Like, you're not talking about that. That's too radical, Kelly. You can't like someone without hating someone else, Kelly. You can't talk about how you like a woman's body without shaming other women's bodies, all right? Or comparing them to your ex-girlfriend who was just not as hot, like... (laughs) Yeah, like, okay, good. I'm glad we're talking about this. Yeah. Um, anyway... If you want to hear me complain some more about this book, please uh, check out my review on Monday. Uh, It's going to be chock full of me ranting about this book. There's even going to be a little excerpt. It's an excerpt that you did not hear today, so uh, you're going to have to read the review to hear it. You can check that out on fictionistmag.com. But anyway, that brings us to the end of this special short episode Episode 2.5. We will uh, talk to you guys next time, uh, along with our guest Daphne, and it's going to be super, and uh, that episode is going to be out next Saturday. So tune in next time for our Black Witch 
analysis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all. We're done now. That's, that's the end of the episode. personality supports that <laughs> second option very much <laughs> Jackie I found a dog meme page the other day oh no it's a nihilist dog meme page oh no and it's called borking into the void <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> oh my god Okay, well, Facebook is a great place. <laughs>